Welcome to Appalachian Shine, the official podcast for the Foundation for Appalachian Advancement. And if you're listening to this, then consider yourself a part of the team. Stick around and let's shine a light on all things Appalachia. away from autumn folks and i'm looking forward to it i'm jc your usual host here at appalachian shine thanks again everyone for tuning in certainly appreciate your interest in our foundation our mission and supporting that with your dollars and your uh, and your word of mouth support for us thanks again you know it's uh we're back here we're about a week away from the official start of autumn and i'm looking forward to driving around the region as the leaves change and actually just enjoying this rustic beauty that is so you uh, just so beautiful here in Central Appalachia. So there's a whole lot going on in the region right now. Here we are in Central Appalachia, and we have uh, a lot of things going on in Bristol, uh, Virginia, and Tennessee this week uh, with the NASCAR races there and playoffs kicking uh, in the, into high gear there. Uh, there's also the Rhythm and Roots Festival going on right now in Bristol. So if you're not out to enjoy a race, get out to enjoy some live music, some local vendors. Good food, good company, beautiful weather. Uh, the next week is just going to be spectacular here in Central Appalachia. And not just that, but we have other festivals coming up. High school football is uh, kicking into gear. Local colleges are back uh, on the gridiron, and it's it's a fun time. Um, right now, I think one of the things going on is uh, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday evening, September 15th, so you may be hearing this the next day on Friday. So hopefully you're hearing this uh, Friday. Um, in Dickinson County, they're having their fair this week, Dickinson County Fair, at the fairgrounds. And Friday is actually Kids Day. Uh, and the festival, the fair, goes from 11.15 in the morning to 11 p.m. Kids get free admission tomorrow. So if you're in Dickinson County at the fair, near the fairgrounds, take your kids, your grandkids, go out have a great time. Uh, it's, uh, if you go between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., it's half price. Uh, there's, uh, you can get, uh, unlimited ride tickets for $10, uh, for age 17 and under. Uh, there's an open mic from 1 to 5 on the main stage. There's a truck pull at 8 o'clock tomorrow night. And, uh, music, uh, Logan Halstead and Cole Chaney. Saturday is probably the day a lot of people look forward to. This is, a uh, um, at one at uh, located at 100 Kiwanis Park Road in Hayside, from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. is the uh, the festival of the fair. There, there's a beauty pageant that takes place that day. Uh, that's uh, every year. That's that's a big happening around here. Uh, the horse show, and then there's music by T.G. Shepard, Nathan Stanley, and Celeste Kellogg, and that's going to be um, again at 100 Kiwanis Park Road in Hayside, Virginia. So, uh, yeah, stop by the fairgrounds, enjoy uh, your Friday, your Saturday, enjoy a great weekend. Um, stop by in uh, Bristol, enjoy Rhythm and Roots, what's left of it, uh, some some good racing, and, uh, and hopefully uh, 
some safe racing and entertaining racing. And um, also, one other event coming up I wanted to point out, and there's there's a lot of events going on around the region. So if there's an event that you know of you'd like us to talk about or maybe have somebody as a guest on to talk about, uh, let us know. Um, there is the uh, coming up on September 24th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. There's the Clinch Coalition's 2022 High Knob Naturalist Rally. And uh, so they're going to actually do that in person this year since, uh, you know, moving past the pandemic where they're doing this in person and uh, they're looking for participation from adults and kids alike. Um, this year's rally, uh, according to their website, clinchcoalition.org, focuses uh, not only on the world around us, but also the importance of caring for your health. Several presenters come to speak on topics such as water quality, edible plants and medicinals, fishing, and a whole lot more. They're going to have kayaks and hiking going on that uh, you and kids, adults and kids alike can participate in. And they're going to have a kids' corner also so they can paint uh, uh, gourd birdhouses, uh, do scavenger hunts, learn about different rocks and the geology around. So it's going to be a really uh, fun time. Um, they do say that uh, when it comes to the hikes, they fill up fairly quickly. So uh, in order to kind of like make it easier on the hike leaders, uh, they ask that you pre-register ahead of time so that you're uh, guaranteed one of the limited slots uh, for the hikes being led this year. So the hikes are going to be occurring at 10 a.m. as well as 1.30 p.m. Uh, the schedule is for, let's see, on September 24th, Hikes at 10 a.m. are there's one that focuses on salamanders uh, with Wally Smith. There's a hike that focuses on wild edibles with Phil Meeks. Um, there's also uh, a hike for breeding birds of the high knob massif, uh, one for mushrooms and fungi. There's one for geology on high knob and another hike for uh, forest identification. So that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, the 130 hikes are going to be a little bit different. Uh, there's one that uh, uh, focuses on butterflies and insects. There's another one focused on forest ecology, one on ferns, and then the forest as an intelligence system. So that's, that'd be some really interesting stuff uh, to learn on a hike. Um, I remember, man, I kind of harken back to when I was a Boy Scout and some of the fun that that, uh, that I had as a Boy Scout and a Cub Scout just learning about things and um, I actually was able to attend governor's school when I was in high school, and uh, we had different categories to choose from, and I chose geology, uh, and this was through Southwest Virginia Community College. Had a great time. Really had a great time, learned a lot. That was, that was actually one of the great memories I have about high school was being involved in that uh, one summer before my senior year. Just had a great, great time. Uh, but anyway, the High Knob Naturalist Rally, you can register by going to clinchcoalition.org. Uh, and uh, just follow the, uh, uh, there, there should be a, a, a link there to, for registration. Sounds like a lot of fun. If you're an outdoor enthusiast, this, this sounds like something you don't want to miss. So definitely uh, uh, go there and check that out. Um, you know, I, I have been doing a lot of reading lately on just different things about the history of Appalachia. And a while back, I mentioned a book called The United States of Appalachia, which I found absolutely fascinating with the point of view that was written in that. And I just wanted to kind of go over a little bit about some of our just beautiful history that we have here in the region. And uh, like all history, there's there's good history, there's bad history, and 
uh, the important thing is what we learn from it. So if if you're someone that's lived in the southeast United States for you know a good portion of your life, the chances are that you've went out and explored parts of Appalachia and and uh, you know specifically the Blue Ridge Parkway. The Blue Ridge Range is absolutely spectacular, and that is a, a drive that I recommend to anybody uh, at the start of fall when you start seeing the leaves change. So you know maybe you know here in the here in the fall we have we have a you know, limited amount of time before all the leaves fall off. And we have this, this great scenery here in the mountains. So I, I encourage everyone to get out in your neighborhood or in, in your in your region and just explore. So whether you're, you're looking at, you know, state parks in uh, North Georgia, we have some ears down there that listen, uh, or in North Carolina, or all the waterfalls throughout West Virginia, which is just absolutely breathtaking. Um, or maybe, uh, maybe something just as simple as, you know, a hike or a drive up to the top of White Top Mountain. Or Mount Rogers, uh, in uh, I think it's in Smith County. I'm thinking uh, anyway, but uh, near Damascus, um, just just beautiful up through that way in the parts of the trail, the Appalachian Trail. But you know, when we think about Appalachia, we're, uh, there's such rich culture. Appalachian culture of the of the whole region, especially the Blue Ridge region. And when I talk to people that that I know outside of the area. And I and they ask you know how you know about the foundation and kind of what we support because uh, I was just recently in Ohio uh, in a non-Appalachian part of that. You know, people are surprised when they find out that you know that Appalachia stretches from like you know according to the ARC definition, Appalachian Regional Commission, from New York down to North Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. When you tell them that there's 420 counties across 13 states. They're, they're shocked when you tell them that Appalachia is home to 25 million people. That certainly flies in the face of the stereotypes that people outside of this area are used to. You tell them it's 205,000 square miles and it's jaw dropping. They're like, how is it Appalachia that large? But our culture and our way of life dates back to the 1700s when Europeans began, you know, obviously immigrating to America in huge, huge numbers. Now, although it started in North Carolina and Virginia, the culture spread to other states after the Revolutionary War. Um, I think we had mentioned, we talked once before on the podcast about Lord Dunmore's War um, and all the forts that were built here in southwest Virginia and then up leading up to uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which uh, the Battle of Point Pleasant was actually the unofficial First Battle of the Revolutionary War. Um, but, you know, after the Revolutionary War, settlers began to ex you know, explore much further outside the 13 colonies. And the culture of Appalachia, you know, we, we talk about arts and crafts, food, myths, and folklore, and different ethnic influences. Let's, let's, let's not overlook that at all. We have you know, Scotch-Irish, Native American, uh, African-American, or African culture, German culture. So, you know, all kinds of stereotypes come into this. But, you know, one of the ways, you know, when I read that book, the, the, one of the things I took away from uh, some of the things that I've read is that we have a culture that I would say is just Americana. And, you know, if your family, if you're from here and your family has roots in Scotland, or Ireland, or Germany, 
there's a pretty good chance that you know it's you know you, you know that uh it's a core aspect of your family's just heritage right so those those types of ways of life trickled into Appalachia after the Revolutionary War as people began to expand outward. And, you know, you can you can do research on some of the more common stereotypes. You can do some Google researches. And, you know, I, the Internet's not so friendly when it comes to things like that. you got to be careful what you find on the Internet. But there are some good books out there that will tackle that. But if you want to look at just, I guess, a brief history, you know, I, I guess according to some, some of the things I've read, you know, the Cherokee Indians were the main Native American group in the Southern Appalachian and the, you know, the Blue Ridge area. But there were other uh, Natives there as well, originally. This was some, I think, you know, they began to gather, according to historians, in the Appalachian Mountain region, you know, 16,000 years ago or so. But there were, you know, not just Cherokee, but there were uh, Powhatan, Shawnee, and uh, Iroquois. And then we have the arrival of um, slaves that, that dates back to the 16th century. And uh, so, you know, those groups had tremendous influence on the culture of Appalachia. And when um, European immigration began to really pick up steam in the 1700s, you know, these settlers, you know, they came from you know, faraway lands and claimed lands from, you know, the, you know, the coast and then traveling west into the Appalachian Mountains, and we're trying to reclaim lands here. Now, a lot of the people who came here moved deeper and deeper into the Appalachian Territory, which was dangerous, and most of those folks that were doing that were Scotch, Irish, and German, and they brought with them the traditions of their native countries. So at the time, uh, from what I read, there was probably over 40 or 50 Cherokee towns or settlements um, in the area that were connected. I'd, kind of like roads, but it was like foot trails. Now, later on, those became wagon roads, believe it or not, built by Cherokee companies. A lot of that, that's a little bit of history that uh, a lot of folks don't, don't read, and I was surprised when I read that too. Um, but, you know, there was, as people, more and more people came, there was a growing need for land, and, uh, and you know, immigrants, um, Need of this land, so the further they pushed in, tried to acquire land. Obviously, at that point, countless battles and just bloodshed everywhere. You know, fighting for the land with the Native Americans. Um, it was a clash of cultures, and and you know, terrible wars happened. And then treaties came about, and uh, with with some of the Native American tribes. And you know, again, that's that's a very controversial. Well, I don't say controversial. It's just history. It's rough history. Um, it's some, some of it's hard to read, some of it's hard to stomach, but you know, it, it is history and you know, I implore, you know, anybody who has an interest in that to go, go find some great reading material. And if you have any books you recommend, um, pass it along. I'd love to share those with our listeners. Um, but unfortunately these treaties removed almost all the Cherokee. There's, there's some down in uh, North Carolina now, but, um, you know, this, this led to the trail, trail of tears as government force them to move west yeah, by force. And that's that's a you know a tear jerking story in and of its in and of itself. But the wilderness of Appalachia <coughs> became its you know, this was a frontier that needed to be explored. And it was a wild frontier. And who do we have that came along in history to help tame the wild frontier? Daniel Boone. Um 
And he, and this was in 1775, uh, took an expedition through Cumberland Gap, Virginia's Cumberland Gap at the time, into Kentucky, and established a route for settlers to move west. And in that heroic effort of what he did, he became, I guess, our first real folk hero of, uh, of the era, our pioneer, and still uh, a revered name to this day for his bravery and and uh, and, and courage and, and what he did. Um, but, you know, again, with any kind of expansion, there's going to be clashes and disagreements popped up with, uh, you know, I guess the kind of the wealthier folks, the elites that were, I guess, more coastal. And then the more rural people here in the you know backwoods here of Appalachia, um, you know. And then when the after the Civil War, this is something else I was taking away from reading this. Um, you know that was just uh, yeah that's a brutal history in and of itself, but that just kind of reinforced any kind of distrust and, and angst that people here in the region had for any government really. For any uh, authority and outsiders, but <clears throat> by the time the nineteenth and early twentieth century rolls around, uh, and you know technology is coming about, and you know you're having the print press and cartoons and books uh, flourishing, and then the radio and then you know early twentieth century um, movies and the stereotypes of Appalachian people really at that point began to take root. And a lot of that was blamed, you know, the false stereotypes. I blame a lot on Hollywood. Um, but, you know, when the, uh, you know, the, there was a period of economic boom in the, uh, I guess, the northern parts of the region, it had a lot to do with uh, logging. But, you know, the logging industry, with that, uh, we, we saw a lot of environmental degradation, and that led to a lot of conservation efforts throughout Appalachia. And so many things have happened over the decades uh, and centuries here in Appalachia with our history that it is it is to be revered and should be studied. Um, because our history is a lot of how, you know, America's formation, you know, I mean, there was no Cumberland Gap. There's no, there's no trail out west. Um, not for a long time anyway. So, you know, I guess as you step back and I guess we go into, I guess kids are back in school and hopefully we'll start, uh, states will lean back into start teaching more local history, uh, which I think is vital and is something that's very much being lost. Um, hopefully we'll step back and we'll, you know, we can spend some time if you're, you know, if you're interested in teaching your kids <clears throat> about the local histories and and uh, an Appalachian history. Go find some good books. That was a really good book to read, The United States of Appalachia. Um, so I, I would suggest that to anyone who just just has a, a penchant for history and want and wants to, you know, maybe teach your kids a few interesting things about right here where we grew up as well. You know, another little trick I learned is I know I, I've turned into this guy. <laughs> I drive past one of those uh, historical road markers. Yeah, I'm that guy that stops now. And that guy stops to read what happened there. And th these road markers are everywhere. We have such rich local history. And, I, you know, I, th I think a lot of people have favorite parts of history that they, that they enjoy studying and learning about. So I would ask you, our listeners, 
what is your favorite piece of local history? It could be where you're in the formation of your town or something in your town, your county, um, uh, you know, a story from the Civil War era, Revolutionary War era, uh, any any time. What is your favorite, one of your favorite local history stories? Love for you to share that with me. If you have any links online we can look at, drop me an email, jc at supportappalachia.org. I'd love to share this with folks. Uh, I'd love to learn. You know, I'm always looking to learn as much local history as I can. And that's one thing that uh, you know our foundation wants to be able to do is help spread the love of our rich history and the understanding of our of our culture and uh, you know just, just show the beauty and the history of who we are, where we came from. It's important people know. It's important we all know. Yeah, it's I think it's uh, vital to how can we how can we know where we're going if we don't know where we've been? I'll just leave that question there at the end of this podcast. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in to Appalachian Shine. I greatly appreciate it. Uh, we do want to invite you to uh, visit our new look website, supportappalachia.org. We've had so many changes on there, so it kind of has a new look and a new feel. Uh, we do want you to just kind of take a look at our mission statement. Uh, do you do you like our mission statement, what we're trying to do in the region? If so, I do want to invite you to uh, click the donate button and uh, $5, $10, anything helps. We have a couple of programs that we're doing right now. The first one, I want to kind of uh, give a thank you to some folks that were helping us out with a program called Operation Helping Hand. And with that, we've actually, uh, after the show that we had, the podcast we had with the folks from Family Crisis Services Center in Norton, and we learned about just how extensive the homelessness is in our region and what the needs are that they still have, uh, we actually uh, reached out and touched base with some folks and um, did a clothing drive to get donated clothing. Now, still, there's some things we need. We had some fun. We had some monetary donations. So, those of you who donated monetarily, so that we can go out and buy some additional things to take down to them, thank you very much. It's very much needed and still still needed. We're going to do another drive again before the end of the year uh, to be able to take those take some items down there. But we got a lot of clothing donations. Uh, probably in in kind value, probably several hundred dollars. And I wanted to uh, say a special thank you to the Community Church of Bristol, um, those folks over there for their in-kind donation of clothes, and thank uh, thank Pastor Sean. Uh, we certainly appreciate um, them supporting our mission and uh, you know and and uh, donating uh, quite a, quite a few uh, quite a few different clothes to us. So uh, the Community Church of Bristol, uh, thank you, folks. We certainly appreciate it, Pastor Sean. Thanks for your support and. Um, you know, we uh, we look forward to um, delivering this stuff. Hopefully next week, um, what we have down to uh, the uh, down to Norton to their center in Norton, so they can distribute that among the homeless. It was especially heart wrenching when they said they needed like clothing for like you know teenage girls and you know young young boys and you know single moms who had children that were leaving from different places. And of course they can't really get into a lot of the, you know, the whys, but they're probably sure there's so many sad stories of what may lead someone to be homeless or looking for a temporary shelter or help like that. So um, thank you everyone who donated the clothes uh, and uh, did cash donations for this. We did a, a, a fundraiser on our Facebook page uh, and uh, we got uh, several people that, that uh, donated through there too. So uh, from all over the region, uh, from the Tennessee side, the Virginia side, the Kentucky side. Uh, folks, we certainly appreciate all the support we have. Also, um, there was a, 
program, I guess, at the, the local sheriff's department in Tazewell County uh, was doing that uh, we were notified of where they, uh, it's drug awareness and prevention, uh, child safety, stranger danger, that sort of thing. So they uh, they go into the schools. They um, spend some time with, with students there teaching them about the dangers of drugs and, and how to deal and cope with things like that. And that's a very vital program because uh, with, with so much fentanyl and I guess the problems with the oxycodone and, that we've had in the region for years, uh, Oxycontin, it's, you know, it's, it's a good program to have. They're, they're doing great work by showing the dangers of these things. We were uh, honored that we got a request for a donation. So we've um, uh, paid that forward with a donation as well to help that program, to fund that, along with so many other people in the community that have, has donated to that that program as well in Townsville County. And I'm sure every county has something like that, but that's the one we received from. So we were glad to uh, make a donation to that as well. And um, yeah, it's the, you know, doing the Lord's work when they when they certainly teach the dangers and the risks of that. Um, you know, the, the, the more folks that we can help to understand that, especially young folks, the brighter our future will be here in town by town and county by county in Appalachia. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we will see you on down the road.